0: State, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly.
1: Farrell the tight end in motion. Fields gets the snap, gives it off to Sermon, hit by Jojo Doman and brought down, he's short of the first down. It'll be fourth down. Doman fired off the edge and knocked down Sermon, short of the stick.
0: Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you. Welcome
1: to now a gameless week of Sports League. As Saturday's game has been canceled, the Wisconsin Badgers aren't coming. Outbreak on their team. Six players, six staff members, including the head coach, Paul Chris, have tested positive since their victory on Friday over the Fighting Illini, which places Wisconsin's program in the orange-slash-red category, which we talked about quite a bit on the program last night. Let me read you the the, uh, status of an orange-slash-red. Team must proceed with caution and enhance COVID-19 prevention, alter practice and meeting schedules, and consider the viability of continuing with scheduled competition. That's what Wisconsin did earlier today and late morning announced – They were halting all football-related activities for seven days, meaning they won't get back, and then they'll assess it then. But the earliest they would be back in their complex getting themselves ready for competition would be next Wednesday. They are set to play the Purdue Boilermakers at home on Saturday the 7th. Uh, Very disappointing news from Nebraska. We don't really know how Nebraska feels about it because the Huskers have not made any statements today. It has been eerily quiet from North Stadium, from the Chancellor's office, from the President's office about their thoughts about this development. Um, We we had heard earlier in the week that Graham Mertz, the starting quarterback for Wisconsin, had tested positive. Then we heard that his backup was not at practice. The Badgers did practice Monday and Tuesday. Paul Christ on Tuesday said he was still confident that the game would be played. He then found out Tuesday afternoon that he was positive and he would have to sit out Saturday's affairs. So the Badgers are out, and the Huskers now are without a game on Saturday, and one of their four home games for the year is going by the wayside. Very disappointing news, and it, it seemed to be gaining momentum, Ben, particularly late yesterday. I think we had an idea when we were signing off the program last night that this thing was in some jeopardy and our worst fears came true today with this announcement, but I was a little surprised when the transparency came out that when, the, when we got the actual numbers, six and six, to me doesn't seem to fit the positivity rates to, to, to cancel this game. That, that was one of the first things that struck me. How did you process today? Yeah, I mean, I think the word, one word that just kept coming to mind
2: to me was frustrated. I I was just so so frustrated with the more information that began to come out. I think I think I grew grew increasingly frustrated the more that we learned. Um, I mean, there there is a lot of theories that could be, you know, put out there that are that make sense. I don't know that we're truly going to know a lot of the certainties around this case to the full extent, maybe ever. So that, that's, that contributes to the frustration. Uh, The fact that it's Wednesday, uh, you know, is, is frustrating. The fact that, um, you know, it's, it's the second game of the season. This is the first big 10 game that's canceled and we're involved is frustrating the circumstances that we got here are frustrating the wording of the application of the rules from the big 10 which were laid down is frustrating the fact that there's no bye week built in here is frustrating i mean every part of this is maddening to me and it's if you isolate each of these things it's a lot easier to get over you know if if this were a, a red red situation and that's it it's cut and dry then this is easy to get over you know, if Illinois was testing positive from their game with Wisconsin, this is easier to get over. Um, You know, there are a lot of things that could make this easier to digest that just, there just isn't very many avenues that make this easy. You can't cope with it. You can't other than just flat out saying, taking the high road and saying, yeah, this could happen in Nebraska in a few weeks there really isn't a, a spin that you can put on this that that isn't that isn't frustrating. And and to me, uh, the six six numbers really bother me. Uh, the fact that we waited until and look, I understand. I guess we should preface this by saying I understand the testing with this virus and how. A lot of times you don't get true results in, until several days after you contract the virus, when it's in your bloodstream, and that's when testing results are most accurate. I understand all that. I get it. So to me, there are, there are, there are a couple of scenarios here that, that are possible, both of which I think are, you know, I go back to that word frustrating. The first one is that Wisconsin played Friday night. The rule is that you don't test the next day. Right, There's one day where you don't test, from what I understand. So that means they would have tested Sunday, and that's when all the reports started coming out on Graham Mertz that he was positive. So in this scenario, it would make sense that whoever was infected got infected on Saturday or Friday night and then were tested on Monday. That seems like pretty radical um Turnaround in terms of, of showing up on a test, but still the the fact that Wisconsin couldn't follow the protocols or do what they needed to do to avoid an outbreak from when they played on Friday night to when they test on Sunday is is crazy. It's absolutely crazy to me. It shows an extreme lack of discipline. If
1: that were to be the case, um, now in the other yeah, scenario, th- th- this isn't their first infraction right they, they yeah. shut her down in, in September and they, yeah. and they might have had one other time this summer where they shut off workouts so they're obviously doing something very wrong the, and not
2: enforcing yeah not enforcing the so that's one scenario the other possible scenario and I, and I to me Greg it's one of these two situations I, I've been thinking about this all day and I can't really think of another situation that this would have been and that is that you know these tests that they were taking last week um they weren't showing the symptoms or the, the, the tests. There wasn't enough in the test to make them test positive when they actually had it last week playing in the game with Illinois, and now the tests are just now turning up positive. Um, so, you know, in this, in this case, it's frustrating because Illinois didn't have a single positive case, from what we're told. Everything's good to go in Champaign. So, again, this, this becomes strictly a Wisconsin thing. And, and I think that to me, so wh- whatever scenario that happens, and it's got to be one of the two, right? Either the, they had it before, the, ga- before um, the testing on Sunday or before the game. They had it before they kicked off with Illinois already, and they just started bleeding into the results on Sunday, or they picked up the virus on Saturday. The results of the tests are starting to come back this week, and if they were just getting tested for these positive results as soon as Sunday there's probably going to be a few more positives that trickle in throughout the week it's got to be one of those scenarios i don't see it being another another scenario so the biggest frustration with that that i have with this entire thing is look i don't want to just bury wisconsin for testing positive for this thing because thousands and thousands of people across the world are are getting this virus and you're not quite sure you know How to completely eliminate from it. I I can I can get over that part. What I can't get over is the absolute subjectivity that is involved in this Big Ten protocol sheet that was released when it was announced that the Big Ten is coming back. It was confusing then to people like I even remember on this show having to break down exactly what it was with red, red, orange, 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 red, w- what the population is, what the team is, what's the difference between the two, do the test. Re- Nobody seems to know. Nobody seems to have any idea how this works. This is such a, a guinea pig thing. And and to further that point, the Big Ten was, even according to one report out of Wisconsin today, looking to add jargon, add Specifics add protocols to this sheet that they had already laid out. To, in in my opinion, further muddy this thing. If it wasn't, a, if it was a red red scenario, then it's cut and dry. Seven day pause mandated by the league. This is the way it's going to be. If it's not red red, it is completely subjective to the institution, and that I have a huge problem with. I have such a big problem with it because it's you know it based on on who's positive and whatever you know situation how that may affect your your team your game plan moving forward you feel like you can make that decision for your for your program um when Purdue couldn't make that choice you know what I mean like they didn't have Jeff Brom on the sideline uh, against Iowa they didn't have Rondale Dale Moore on the sideline against Iowa they didn't bang it they didn't decide to say you know what it's not viable for us this week that we play without jeff brahm so we're we're not we're gonna plead no contest in this deal um that that to me is is where it gets really really annoying and the fact that it can be manipulated this late in the system is annoying there's just so many parts of this greg that just have my mind spinning that i just I, i i'm having a hard time getting over it because it seems to all cater to one school right now. And the one school happens to be the school that we're playing this week. There, ha- there hasn't been a conversation or a news piece that has come out that has not benefited the Wisconsin Badgers today. And that's what's really frustrating to me is if this were us, if Nebraska was out with, without Scott Frost, Adrian Martinez, and Luke McCaffrey, what would the league narrative be right now? Oh, Nebraska's not set up to play Wisconsin. They're chickening out. They're not going to play. The The, the – fact that this would be reciprocated if this was us is non-existent in my opinion they're getting treated differently than everybody else and that's what bothers me it's like they've got an athletic director up there that is calling his own shots and trying to manipulate rules and change things and it all benefits them and and right now nobody's looking out for nebraska but nebraska and that's it's it's beginning to become a big noticeable trend that this is the case that we're
1: fighting for ourselves and that's it And I don't really feel like we're a part of the league right now. And and to accentuate your point, today, Barry Alvarez on the record saying the league needs to revisit the 21-day rule. Because if you test positive, you're out 21 days. He's now on record today saying, oh, there's some new evidence now. We need to revisit that rule Mm-hmm. Now that your quarterback is hurt on your uh, on your th- hypothesis about what this would be for the Huskers. We have a Twitter pull up a runs a Twitter poll along those lines. If the roles were reversed and the Huskers had six players and six staff members sitting out with positive tests, would the game be played Saturday? Yes or no. And right now, 83 percent are saying, yes, Nebraska would play. I believe that. I agree with that. I think Scott Frost, even if he was like Paul Christon, couldn't play Scott Frost would say, go on. We're fielding a team. It's more, more than just a couple of guys I think Nebraska would, would play. Let's uh, get a caller in here before we head to a break. Doug in Grand Island has been hanging on. Good evening, Doug.
3: Good evening. Um, just a quick one. With the uh, cancellation, uh, I'm assuming the guys who are uh, sitting out for targeting after that again the yes. Next game. Yes. Which doesn't make sense. It shouldn't. That's not fair. Uh, what about the money for the TV game? Are we losing that money since we're not playing now on Saturday? I would. I
1: would, I would assume so. You're going to get a cut for how many appearances you make.
3: Yes. So I, I would think they should withhold Wisconsin's share and uh, not penalize Nebraska for that because it wasn't our fault. So. Um, and poor Scott Frost, you know, here he is. His his first game uh, gets cancelled because of lightning and now we get cancelled because of the virus. Guy can't win. I'm I feel sorry for him, but anyway, um uh, just some ideas. Thanks yeah. and I'll hang out and listen to you.
2: Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Doug. Uh yeah, man, you can go back to Scott Frost days at Central Florida, games wiped out with hurricanes. hurricanes. It just yeah. he just can't seem to get away with it right now and I'm just really frustrated, Greg. I, I'm I'm mad. I'm mad at, at, at the situation, and I know it's you know it's not their fault that they're coming down with this thing, but you know th- there was a head of a scheduling chair who was ahead of scheduling, and we heard from him uh, at the at the press conference when Big Ten football was back, and he just happened to be at the school that we're playing against right now. He happened to be advocating that we start. On October 24th, as opposed to October 17th, because their team couldn't practice uh, that soon, so we're going to push everything back a week to cater to them. When in reality, it comes full circle, and having that one week taken off the table, uh, where we could flex this game into a bye, uh, is now taken away from us because the person who was in charge of scheduling didn't want to put practice in place until the start of October instead of September, which pushed everything back a week, which means there's no bye week built into the schedule. People are mad at the Big Ten, as you should be, but maybe start pointing some fingers at who was in charge of scheduling this thing and decide when we could hit the practice field too. And I'm just saying a lot of the arrows are pointing in one direction right now.
1: Sure are. Let's go to Plattsmith and Drew. Good evening, Drew. Welcome to Sports Nightly.
4: Hey, guys. I just go back to Coach Frost's uh, press conference where he says teams are going to want to play and the teams that don't want to play will find a way not to. I think this is the case of Wisconsin didn't want to play this game because their top two quarterbacks are out. If two of the six, if, the, if there are two quarterbacks, are not of the six players, we'd be playing this game on Saturday. And now Barry Alvarez is pretty much now trying to delay Wisconsin from playing games against division opponents while he's working behind the scenes to try to get the 21 game or 21 day rule wiped out so Mertz can get back and they won't lose any games during this time frame that he has to miss. So what's going to happen when Nebraska or Purdue, I know it's a long way down the road, but what if they are within a game of Wisconsin at the end of the year and Wisconsin makes a Big Ten championship game over these teams because they didn't play the game? So it's just not fair, and I'm frustrated with it. So thanks, guys.
2: Yep, we all are, Drew. Drew, you had uh, had some nails hit on the head right there, and – it, it, it comes down to it being that simple, Greg, and you can call me conspiracy theorist or whatever, but I, I sit here right now at 622 refusing to believe that if Wisconsin was without a backup left tackle, a defensive end, a backup corner, and a couple of other random hodgepodge players, and they were without uh, their special teams coach as opposed to Paul Christ, you're telling me that the circumstances would be the same. The answer in my eyes is absolutely not. The personnel that is affected directly affected Wisconsin's mindset on whether to play this game or not. And to me, the subjectivity in that is not right. Um, And now you're making Nebraska kids suffer because of this. You're making our kids miss a game because of what your feelings are, your personal beliefs are, and the fact that you might be uh, absolutely trying to, you know, dodge some adversity through this thing and have to fight through some things when in reality if it was us, uh, let's just use Purdue. Like Drew said, if it was us against Purdue, there, was no, there would be nobody in Nebraska's corner supporting a lift on the 21-day uh, ban of a player or okay with Nebraska saying, we're not going to play Purdue because of an orange-red scenario. To me, that's frustrating that you can have one school be able to sit here and call shots and dictate
1: other people's fate. I don't like that at all, and that's why I'm so fired up. And, and you may get more fired up because if they play next week – one, you're going to get really fired up if they play their next home game against Purdue next week. They're ma- they are they're able to get it kind of fixed, and they're ready to roll. And if Barry gets this thing pushed through and the 21-day thing goes away, if this, those two things happen. we
2: will be flipped over, uh, and we, I might not be able to talk on the radio
1: because all of our equipment will be broken if that's the yeah. case. Sam McEwen of the Omaha World-Herald. Also, you can read his work online at Omaha.com. Joins us now. He's been all over the story throughout the day today. Sam, thanks for jumping on. I I didn't give you much notice to come on tonight, but your reporting has been top-notch today, as it always is. But today, I really enjoyed your work. Let me just start with this. As you understand it, this was not league-mandated, was it? This was Wisconsin's call. Is that how you understand this?
5: Yes, it's Wisconsin's call. Uh, Barry Alvarez said that on his press conference today with the media. Uh, The the Big Ten did not mandate that Wisconsin shut down its practice. Uh, This was a decision that was made by Alvarez and his chancellor, Rebecca Blank, and their medical people, and that was the decision they made. They felt like they had had no positive cases in the previous month or maybe one or two, in the previous month, they have 12 this week. Six players, six staff, and more pending. And so, I think their thought process was, "We're going to put a pause on this so we can get our arms around it and uh, and see where we we'll see where Wisconsin is at early next week."
1: They they said they're in the orange slash red. Is that what the numbers and you've I've done you've done some calculating on this? Does that seem to add up to yeah. you?
5: Uh, so the two categories are the teen positivity rate and the population positivity rate. It is not hard for the population positivity rate to get into red. That usually takes about 12 or 13 cases in a given week. But in order for the Big Ten to pause it, to mandate a pause, you have to have 5% of the total tests that you take in a given week um, turn up positive. That is very hard to do without a massive outbreak. Um, So 12 positive tests would not trigger uh, a red designation in the teen uh, positivity rate. Uh, My guess is that they are just on the edge of orange um, in that, and that would be 2%, um, which 12 would probably hit that, 12, 13, 15. That's right on the edge of probably where they are with orange. Uh, The Big Ten allows schools, through their own discretion, to make a decision to pause, and I think that's what Wisconsin decided to do. When I thought about this process going um, smoothly, I was on the same track, I believe, as Nebraska coach Scott Frost, who believed that red red would be the thing that kept a football game from happening. What we have learned uh, today is that a school maintains the discretion to decide otherwise, And that discretion can go to a place of 12 positive tests, you know, or maybe even 10. And that is a different conversation. Then you're getting into whether the school wants to play the game or not, whether they think it's safe, whether they think it's wise. You're leaving that discretion up to the individual school, and the individual schools will have different opinions.
1: Sam McEwen is with us from the Omaha World. Herald. also, you can read his work at Omaha. Uh, It's been eerily quiet from the Nebraska Athletic Department, from the Chancellor today. No comments at all. Sometimes you say a lot by not saying anything. What's your read? Why have we not heard something?
5: Well, I think initially there might have been a conversation about whether it was going to be a forfeiture or no contest, right? So they had to figure that piece out because Wisconsin made the decision and the Big Ten did not. I'm guessing they had to to hammer down, okay, is this a forfeiture? Do we get a win out of this? If so, we'll take the week off. If it's a no contest and no game is played, that means the game is canceled. Now, when Nebraska was trying to play non-conference games back in August, um, the reason that the Big Ten gave or the sort of the rationale was, we haven't postponed the season. We haven't canceled the season. We've merely postponed it. And so as a result, we're not going to have you playing all these other games out here because the season could still happen. And so I think Nebraska I think Nebraska felt like Big 10 kind of switched its mind on that and they kind of thought they were canceling it but they were actually postponing it. But now you have a you have a straight up cancellation. Wisconsin canceled the game, Nebraska didn't do it. And so as a result, maybe the question is, can Nebraska pursue its own non-conference game now that Wisconsin has made it impossible? for the Wisconsin-Nebraska game to be played because it canceled it. I don't know if the Big Ten would allow it. I do believe that there are teams out there that would be more than willing to fill Nebraska's dance card if the Big Ten does. Um, I think for the right price, there's a lot of teams that will get on a plane. Nebraska already has the antigen test at the ready. They have an antigen testing machine. They can put a team on the field safely. And there have been teams that have been playing football games in the last several weeks, especially in the FCS. Um, that could fit that bill. So I, I don't know, you know, Nebraska hasn't commented. I don't know if that's going to be the, the definitive game plan, but I think it's it's something that Nebraska would certainly explore if the Big Ten will allow it.
1: Yeah, and that probably is the big if right I mean I just don't know that the Big Ten wants to set that precedent that you do this now let me if this was an Ohio State opponent that couldn't play this week and the Buckeyes go well, hey we we really need one more win for the resume maybe they get treated differently than Nebraska does who's been a pretty vocal but Ohio State has too. I, I, yeah. and I sure I love what you' the argument you just laid out there sounds pretty powerful to me. I don't. Do you get a sense that the Big Ten might go along with that?
5: We don't know anything about the Big Ten's position. We asked, we've gotten no response, and I'll I'll be really honest with you. I don't know that the Big Ten has, for the last however many months, necessarily prioritized running an elite conference. I think their priorities have been, um, and you kind of see this with their Twitter account, uh, working with athletes on their mental health um getting you know uh, rolling out a voting initiative uh, all all good things i think that there's been enough questions about what's going on with events the big 10 made no announcement today about wisconsin nebraskas game uh they had no announcement uh, you know they they responded separately to multiple reporters about whether it was a cancellation or a no contest uh I, I don't get the sense that the organization is uh, – the Big Ten is organized in a way that gets prompt answers to much of anything. You know, I think the commissioner did, I think, one or two interviews last week when the Big Ten came back. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't get the impression that, that, that running a league and nailing all this stuff down and having every, you know, T crossed and I dotted is – is the day-to-day, hour-to-hour priority of the Big Ten? I just don't. Otherwise, you would see those things done, and we don't. So I don't know if the Big Ten has a definitive answer to the question. I don't know if they're going back and forth. Uh, Nebraska has not given me that kind of information, and Nebraska may not even know. So you know, I think I think there's a lot of things about the league that when when there's a reasonable time when the pandemic is slowed down, because it's still going. And everybody can get in a room. There's going to be a lot of conversations about what did and didn't happen in about in a nine-month period, as it related to communication and clarity.
1: Yeah, and you, you've you've kind of taken over some of the basketball beat duties. We're four weeks away from when that season's supposed to start. And to my knowledge, there's no movement on a schedule or clearance for these teams to play non-league games. It seems like there's a lot more questions than answers coming out of that league office right now as it relates to all their sports.
5: It does. It does. You know, I I, I think, I know Bill Moose kind of thought maybe there'd be an answer. I think he said on your show last week there might be an answer uh, about the schedule late in the week. Yeah. uh, And there hasn't been. Um, I know that, yeah, uh, you know, I mean, there's still, I think, the Big Ten still wants to play the ACC Challenge. There are issues as it relates to um, sitting out periods and negotiating how this stuff's going to work. That I that I do believe is it has held back the Big Ten, the ACC, the Big Twelve. Um, they have to get on the same page with this stuff because. Um, you know, you could have teams, you could have teams missing five, six games, and it would be it would be a very significant issue if you had guys that had to, you know, out for fourteen days. As far as I know, this is the last time Hoyberg kind of told us. He said, "I think, I think Hoiberg said they'd had one or two guys have it." Um, just as using as Nebraska's example, well, if they had three or four guys get get it, and then they had to, and then they had to, you know, put everybody else in a high risk contact into quarantine. That's a whole team. So I think the conferences need to figure these rules out before they can put out a schedule. Um, I, maybe I'm wrong to say it. I, I do feel like there'll be some more clarity and structure around basketball because everybody's kind of in it together. Um, I think there's a sense of every league wants to try to make this work. I know Nebraska plans on having a bubble. I know Nebraska's and the opponents are coming up here, planning on the same. And, um, But yeah, the Big Ten's just, again, you have to have grace, right? Because this is a hard time for everybody. So certainly there's things that aren't going to be perfect, and you you have to have an understanding and expectation of that. But I I still feel like the priority of just running a really good league as best as you can during a pandemic, uh, I just feel like the voting stuff and the mental health stuff, and that stuff is really important. But – Bottom line is you got to run a really, really good league, and you got to have you got to have all the ads and the coaches on the same page. And even today, it's just the Big Ten's not real forthcoming with information. You're not sure if they know the answer to those questions, uh, or if they do, they're not telling anybody. It's just it's it's an operation that needs a lot of work. I don't know if it would have been like this with Jim Delaney. I don't think it would have been, but it 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 needs work. And they'll have to do it in the offseason because I just don't know how much better it's going to get. But but this is a league that's going to have a lot of conversations in the offseason because today is just, just reiterates, Greg, that with Wisconsin being able to make that decision the way they did, I mean, Nebraska is powerless to do anything about it. And I'm not saying that Wisconsin made the wrong decision. I'm saying that they made a decision outside of the Big Ten mandate to shut down practice. And if every school has that latitude, then you're – Late in the season, when a team's zero and five, and they're in the dumps and they don't really want to play, you worry about a team being able to say, "Well, we got eight cases this week, and we're just not—we're just not going to put—we're just going to put forth the effort." That's what you worry about, and and I think the Big Ten's going to have to figure that stuff out now, so that they don't run into situations where there are teams that just don't want to play anymore because they're not having a good season and they got a couple cases.
1: Yeah, Sam, great stuff. Keep it up. We'll uh, keep following this thing along. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks a lot, man.
0: The Big Ten Blitz. in the State.
1: And here to talk to us about the Nittany Lions, Corey Geiger, editor of Nittany Sports Now and host of Sports Central Radio in Central Pennsylvania. How, uh, how earth-shattering was the loss to Penn State? How did the folks take that one on Saturday?
6: Uh, boy, a lot of frustration and disappointment. It goes two ways. Uh, first of all, most people from the Penn State perspective- Think that that should have been a successful two-point conversion, um, but it was, and they lost a the game. And so now you have to take a long, hard look at some some reality that Penn State is facing without Journey Brown, without Noah Kane, their top two running backs. Um, so it, it's it's going to be we're looking at this team a little bit differently now than we did a couple weeks ago.
1: And now a, a huge challenge. We we just saw Ohio State. That's a pretty pretty good football team coming to beaver stadium on saturday without those two backs how how do the nittany lions get points on the board
6: well sean clifford's gonna have to play better uh throw he can't afford bad interceptions he had two really really bad interceptions in the first half against indiana that led to 10 points because penn State's defense was fantastic for the game until Mm -hmm. the last couple minutes in overtime but indiana got ten ten 10 points off turnovers and when you do that, that's that's a challenge. Now, what's interesting is Sean Clifford ran for 119 yards as quarterback. Now, nobody thinks he's going to be able to do that against Ohio State, and they've got some young running backs. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not real sure how effective Penn State's offense is going to be. They're going to have to do the, throw it through the – you know, get it done through the air, Craig. But the issue is, you know, the biggest question mark coming into this season was who's going to step up at the wide receiver spot. So – Again, I'm, I, you know, it's not like the sky is falling here. They still have a lot of talented players, but this is what happens in this crazy Big Ten season when you go on the road to open your season against a good Big Ten team, and then you've got Ohio State in what's essentially a neutral, a, a neutral field game because there's not going to be any fans, no whiteout. You know, these are these are the challenges that just exist in 2020.
1: Huskers didn't have any any didn't have any success defending against fields. I think he had one incompletion all day. How does Penn State change that narrative?
6: Yeah, it's going to be challenging. They got to get pressure, and that's that's one thing that Penn State has always been able to do: get pressure. And uh, they got an outstanding defensive end, Jason Owey is going to be a first round pick. A good good line. Some questions at the linebacker because they're one of their starting linebackers, Jesse Lucetta, got charged with targeting in the second half against Indiana. So he's going to have to miss the first half. So it's always pick your poison against Ohio State. You can't let the quarterback sit back there and beat you through with his arm. But Ohio State quarterbacks have beaten Penn State with their legs uh, for a lot of years. And so that, you know, that that's a major, major concern with Justin Fields as well.
1: With, with missing some offensive weapons, does this need to be a game in the 20s? I mean, if it gets to the 30s and kind of a shootout, that that would, to me at least, it would seem to favor the Buckeyes.
6: Your thoughts? I don't think there's any chance Penn State can get into the 30s. This might have to be the low 20s. Penn State's defense held Ohio State to 28 points last year in Columbus. Now, I believe that was the lowest scoring game Ohio State had. So, I mean, they were in the game, and Sean Clifford got knocked out of the game. They had to play backup Will Levis. So, yeah, if Penn State has any prayer, it's going to have to be done defensively. Uh, but again, and Greg, this this is what I want to I want to stress. We thought Penn State was going to be a top ten team and a college football playoff contender with Micah Parsons and with Journey Brown. Well, Micah Parsons is gone, and Journey Brown's now not going to play, and now you have Noah Cains not going to play the rest of the year. We have to temper our expectations. I mean, expectations have to change throughout the course of the season. I don't think Penn State fans temper their expectations. After Parsons and Brown, it was just next man up, next man up, next man up. We hear that a billion times. Well, they don't have anybody in the next man up spot that's as good as Micah Parsons. And they didn't have anybody as good as Journey Brown. And they don't have anybody as good as Noah Kane. So the reality is now you got to go face a juggernaut Ohio State team and you're down three of your four best players. Their other one would be Pat Frymuth. So you've lost three of your four best players and you haven't even gotten to week two yet.
1: on ABC, under the lights, Penn State hosting Ohio State, Corey Geiger, the editor of Nittany Sports Now and host of Sports Central Radio in Central Pennsylvania. Corey, we appreciate it. Thank you. Always good talking to you, Greg. Iowa. And here to talk about the Hawkeyes, Scott Docterman of the Athletic, Iowa coming off a heartbreaker, 24-20 to Purdue on Saturday. What made the difference in that game in your eyes?
5: It had to have been the penalties and turnovers for the Hawkeyes. I mean, they ran the ball well. They all had almost 200 yards rushing uh, at five yards per carry. They looked good at times on offense, but uh, 10 penalties for 100 yards for a team that last year finished third in the nation with only 32 penalty yards per game. And then couple that with two, pe- uh, two fumbles, one at the 10 at Purdue and the other at the, uh, inside the 40, uh, just seemed to really be a killer for the Hawkeyes.
1: Think that's been a point of emphasis this week in practice? I would guess it probably has.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Iowa is a stickler for the details and the techniques, so that's something that's uncharacteristic for Iowa. And usually, if they have issues with that, they work about in the first game. Well, you know, most first games are against. Some MAC opponent or somebody like that, where they can make some mistakes, correct them, approve, and then everything's kind of in the past. Well, you know, you do that against a Big Ten team, and this is what happens. All right,
1: Hawkeyes back home this week, and Northwestern comes to town. These two have had some pretty fun battles in the last decade plus. But man, the Cats look good in their opener. I know it was just Maryland, but forty-three-three. What what do you make of this matchup?
5: This is a tremendous game. It is as you mentioned uh, really in the last 25 years. It's been an outstanding series between these two programs and uh, you know, quite a rivalry, actually. So, you know, one thing I noticed with, with Northwestern, I mean, to put up 537 yards against the Terrapins, uh, you know, for a team that last year was right around 280 yards per game uh, in Big Ten play, I mean, it just shows how far Northwestern's come with a new offensive coordinator and then and bringing in a quarterback in Peyton Ramsey who can really pull the trigger. So this is a team that offensively looks the part. And defensively, it's always been good, and it was good last year. It just got overshadowed by such a poor offense. So, I think uh, both teams are, you know, look similar. I think this is going to be a close, very competitive game. It's going to come down to the end, like so many of these uh, games between these two teams do. So, I, I, I would expect uh, nothing less than, uh, you know, a, a fourth quarter game where it's tied or very close to it.
1: Lower scoring, kind of, kind of a twenty-four twenty type, or do you think more points than that?
5: I would say low scoring, you know, in the in the 20s at, at the most. I, both teams have pretty good defenses. I mean, Purdue's going to light up a lot of teams with its passing game, and Iowa kept it at 24, and, and really it probably could have been less than that And they're not in turnovers. So I do think that uh, they'll be able to, you know, I, I don't see Northwestern scoring 43, let's put it that way, and likewise I don't see Iowa scoring 43
3: either.
1: Hawkeyes host the Wildcats, 2.30 Central Time on Saturday on ESPN. Scott Doctorman of The Athletic.
0: As always, Scott, we appreciate it. All right, thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. Illinois.
1: And here to talk about the Illini, Steve Kelly of the Illinois Network. Illinois coming off a loss to Wisconsin last Friday night. What, what was your observations of the game from the Illinois standpoint?
7: Well, a lot of fans thought, Greg, that uh, the point spread going into the ball game, which I think settled at about 21, if anybody pays attention to that. But the, I think a lot of Illinois fans felt that uh, the Illini were being uh, disregarded. And as it turned out, maybe somebody knew what they were talking about because uh, uh, Wisconsin dominated that game. It was a 14-7 game with about 90 seconds to go in the first half after Illinois scored on a defensive touchdown, a fumble return. But uh, Wisconsin put uh, touchdowns together, touchdown passes over the middle in the last 90 seconds of the first half to lead 28-7. And just kind of after a scoreless third quarter, they added a couple more touchdowns and uh, the route was on. And a lot of Illinois fans didn't see that coming.
1: I thought the defense played really hard and did a pretty nice job of containing Wisconsin in the game. I know Mertz was unbelievable with the the passes that he completed. To me, the offense really sputtered along. What, what has Coach Smith said about the offense after one week?
7: Well, not much. He was not very happy for sure. They, they didn't run the ball well at all. When your quarterback is your leading rusher and your quarterback is not considered a dual threat in the first place, that's not a good thing. Uh, Mike Epstein was returning from injury. He fumbled the first time he was given the ball on the uh, the game's second play. Uh, So the running game needs to get better. Peters had 75 of the uh, rushing yards. He only had 131 on the ground. So that's not good. That's got to get better. Peters was not sharp with his passing game either. So uh, offense was very disappointing because I think most people felt that there were some questions defensively, but they felt like they had some weapons offensively and uh, Wisconsin did a good job of uh, taking that away and and Illinois didn't live up to to what they thought they would be.
1: All right, Illini back home now, Purdue comes in, size this one up for us.
7: Pretty good rivalry over the years, these uh, two teams have been playing a long time, this will be the 96th meeting in the series, there's one game difference in all the series, Illinois won at West Lafayette last year to take a one game lead in the series. They play for the Cannon Trophy, and Illinois dominated Purdue over West Lafayette in the rain last year. Jeff Robbins has already spoken this week to Purdue coach, about uh, they remember that. And I don't know about you, but I was impressed with what Purdue did against Iowa, so Purdue comes in about a touchdown favorite in a ball game that I think either team can win, but Illinois will have to play a lot better.
1: Doesn't sound like Rondale Moore is going to play, but the Bell kid's a really good receiver for Purdue. As I'm sure Lovey Smith's working on that game plan to try to limit that young man.
7: Yeah, he was really good as a freshman last year. He had 13 receptions last week, three touchdowns. He was targeted 21 times. Purdue threw the ball 50 times in that game, yet they had one of the running backs uh, get 139 yards on the ground, so the run game... Worked pretty well, so they, they showed sure more balance than I anticipated from them. I think uh, it'll be a, a tough challenge for the Illini to to not be 0-2 going into to week three.
1: For Illinois to Steve, does it need to be a lower scoring game? A shootout, I would think, maybe leans toward to help the makers.
7: After what I saw in the first week, I would say you're right. I thought uh, some games this season, might be won by Illinois in a shootout because of those questions defensively, but the offense is going to have to show a lot more. Um, Illinois got some outstanding receivers. Josh Matterbebe was targeted 10 times last week by uh, Brandon Peters, but he only caught the ball three times and he had a couple of drops, so they got to get more out of that position, but I think you're right. If the it turns out to be a lower-scoring game. I think the Illinois kicking game is good. If it would come down to that, I think they feel pretty good about that. But they've got to play better on both sides of the ball, no matter um, no matter what happens there.
1: 11 o'clock Central on BTN, Illinois hosting the Purdue Boilermakers. Steve Kelly of the Illini Network. Steve, as always, we appreciate it.
7: My pleasure, as always. Thanks, Greg.
0: It's time to buy or sell. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Brett Whitty and Josh Hilkeman. Here we are
8: back again for another week of Buy Sell, and I know Brett was chomping at the bit to get going with it. He was the question collector today, so he got the questions from the absentee producers, Austin and Tim, so... He's really excited for this, I know.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he is.
9: Yeah, everyone did a really good job
1: getting in there <laughs> on time.
8: All right. Let's jump into answers first, and we start with, Greg, a question that you, you posed back on August 19th. That seems Ooh. like an eternity ago. It was a college football question. And you asked buy or sell that any of the Power 5 conferences would play at least six games. Now, I didn't, I wasn't 100% sure how to interpret that, whether it was like the entire conference or not. But either way, I'm going to call it a buy. The majority of the ACC teams have played six games. The rest will play their sixth game this week. So I think that one's inevitably a buy, no matter how you look at it. Uh, and everybody bought it and was right, except for Greg and Ben. Mm-hmm. I, I, maybe you would have wanted to wait until it was 100% certain, but I... Figured that, yeah, it was basically That's close enough. Yeah, it is.
9: Yep. All right, an MLB playoff question asked back on September 30th, Austin had this one buyer sell that AL teams would hit more home runs in the postseason and NL pitchers would have a lower ERA. That ended up being a buy. The AL hit more home runs. They hit 96 to the NL's 63. Ooh. And then the NL had a lower ERA as well with 3.92 to the 4.36 that the AL had. Uh, everyone was a buyer and got that right except for Greg and Ben. Again. Again. Wow.
8: Dang it.
1: What's wrong with us, Ben? Not a good start.
8: Well, and here's the thing. Going into this week, you guys had a huge lead on the rest of us, so we're just trying to catch up here. <laughs> True. And we're do- and we're doing it on some, some questions asked a while back, so it's, it's helping us out here a little bit on those older questions. And we have a couple more of those uh, that were asked a little while ago. This one, just from a couple of weeks ago, though, October 14th. Greg, another college football question you asked by yourself that all seven of the Big Ten games scheduled this past week would one be played <laughs> and uh that was a buy they were and uh the it looks like everybody but everybody. greg and brett got it right so
9: man i'm over tonight i missed it by one week you one did. week yeah crazy all right and uh another mlb question i asked on october 14th josh had this one by or so that randy a Rosarena has another three hit game in the playoffs that ended up being a buy he did in game four of the World Series uh Greg Ben Josh and myself all bought it and got it right Austin and Tim the ones they got it wrong the absentee guys got it wrong so we can make fun of them if we
2: want (laughs) man what a what a postseason that guy had yeah no joke. joke
8: He, he came out of nowhere, and it seems like there's at least one or two of those guys every postseason that just makes a name for themselves, and he was definitely that guy this postseason.
2: With, like, two weeks left in the regular season, he was on a torrid stretch. Yeah. But then he was, like, he had, like, a four or five games where he had, like, no hits and just completely cooled off, and I thought that was going to be kind of – it, you know, back down to earth for him, but man, right right back picked up in the playoffs where he was a couple of weeks prior. Yeah, no doubt.
8: Alright, now we're to questions that were asked last week. This one from Greg Byersell that six or more Husker football players would catch a pass on Saturday. That was a bye. Nine. Nine different Ooh. Huskers <clears> caught a pass yeah. on Saturday against Ohio State. This one was evenly split. Ben, Austin, and myself all got it right with a bye. The rest of you guys we're wrong with a cell. Nine. Ooh. That's a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> I thought your line was perfect, Greg. I thought it was going to be five or six. Ended up being nine. That was well. You had a couple late in the game. Like right. Raftall got one in the last two minutes. Maybe was at- when he caught his. I remember checking at halftime, and I think at that point it was only three or four. So yeah, Ramir Johnson got one on the last play. Yep,
1: that's right. Yeah, so True. two in the last last drive of the game. I think yep. Raftall and Premier. There you go.
9: All right. Josh had an NFL question by herself that the Broncos, Jets or Jaguars would win uh, their matchup this past week. That ended up being a sell. All three teams lost. The Broncos lost by 27. The Jets lost by eight and the Jaguars by 10. Uh, Greg, Ben, Josh and Austin all sold that and were correct. Uh, Myself and Tim were incorrect. (laughs) A (laughs)
8: <laughs> a <laughs> dynamic duo of Brett and Tim. And, Brett. and how about the Jets
2: being the closest one? where did that come
8: from? Yeah, what in the world? They had, they were by far the biggest spread, but well, they the, didn't allow the a Jacks,
1: touchdown, six field. Goals. The Jags played okay.
8: Yeah, they did fine. They did fine. But they, that that was almost exactly what their spread was. I think it was like nine points, and they lost by ten. So
9: I think I think Minshew Mania might be coming to an end here soon, guys. Yeah, I maybe. hate to say it,
8: maybe. Uh, next up, we have a another Greg college football question here by herself that one of the underdogs in the Big Ten would win this weekend. That was an easy buy. There were a bunch of underdogs The won Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue all won. They were all underdogs. And we all bought it, and we're all correct.
1: So yay, team.
8: Yay, Way us. Go, guys. We did it. We did it.
9: <laughs> Thanks for the question, we- Greg. <laughs> All right, uh, jo- Josh, with another MLB question by sell that the World Series would go exactly six games, or a team would win by nine or more runs in any other remaining games asked last Wednesday. Um, that'll, that ended up being a buy. It went to exactly six games. Greg, Ben, Josh, and Austin all got it right. Again, Tim and myself getting it wrong.
8: <laughs> I I didn't look up either. I just knew off the top of my head that there wasn't any nine-run games, but I don't. At least I don't yeah. think so, unless I missed a game.
9: And Ben and Austin actually called their shot there with the, the six games. They did,
8: but I didn't count that as an extra yeah. point. That's not. Yeah, there, there wasn't going to be a nine-run right. exactly. deficit there. All right, our last answer, this one coming from the esteemed Brett Witte and a soccer question. Byers saw that there would be at least 20 goals scored in this seven English Premier League games this past Saturday and Sunday. That was a sell. Not even close. Only 13. Horrible. Whoa. That's under two per game. That's I, What is
2: happening? Was there a 0-0 zero, zero draw?
8: There was a 0-0 zero, yeah. zero draw. Uh, oh. And there was no, I don't think there were more than three. There might have been a four goal game at one point, but I think it was mostly just one, two, three goal games. Boring. Anyway, Anyway, Brett and Austin were the only ones that sold it and got it right. So Good for them, but we need more goals, soccer. Come on! Yeah, How yeah, do you expect gotta, anybody to watch your sport if you're not going to score goals? We got to be better than that. I agree. All right, so totals for this week, Greg. I this was a him. this was a down week <laughs> for you. You were four of nine. Uh, you were tied with Tim for the worst record of the week at 4-9. That's not what you I mean, want to hear.
7: Yeah, <laughs> well, tied you with Tim. In one <laughs> no.
8: <Yeah>. Now, now <laughs> here's the, the comforting news that you can take from that. You're still ahead of Tim by 16 points in the standings, so <laughs> oh you're, you're fine. 20 um,
9: percentage points.
8: You did drop two behind Ben because Ben went 6 of 9, and he's at 57. You're at 55 on the season. So you guys are still – have a, a decent lead but now Austin is catching you he and I both went eight of nine this week Austin's wow. at 53 points I'm at 49 so we're, we're creeping a little bit closer Austin's really the only contender for you guys uh, the veterans of myself for right now but
2: we just uh, need Austin to answer more of his own questions correct so yeah okay
8: that was actually the point that I was gonna I was gonna bring up here is we do these analytics of, of how well we all do on each other's questions and Austin is answering at an 85% clip on Greg's questions, an 80% clip on Ben's questions, a 71% clip on my questions, he's at 57% on Brett's, and then for his own questions, he's at 25%, and on Tim's, he's at 33%. So if he can answer his and Tim's questions better, then he would be running away with this thing, but... (laughs) <laughs> That's not how the game works. You got to answer everybody's nope. questions. and yeah, hey, no.
2: we're stopping even heard this before. He's getting in his own way.
8: right. Mm-hmm. He is getting in his own way. Anyway, so the only person we haven't talked about yet is Brett. He went five and nine, very middle of the road. Yep. He's at forty seven, so he's ten back of the lead. But right now, it's kind of a three way race between Greg, uh, Ben, and Austin. Okay, see what we got. Let's jump into this week's questions. Brett, you lead the way on this.
9: All right, uh, I'll ask Austin's question first. He he asked a a football question by herself that the schedule for the Nebraska basketball multi-team event in Lincoln is released before the next Nebraska football game is played. And he he bought that one, so... uh, Answering at a twenty-five percent clip, let's all take that into account.
8: I like I like that Austin gave his answer right. We not very many people do that when they're gone, myself included. So, good for
9: him. Yeah, and I'm gonna sell that just because Austin's horrible at answering his own questions. <laughs> 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 I, I'm gonna
8: buy it like that. I would assume as long as the Huskers don't play this weekend, find a, a, a game on short notice. I would assume that they would have a schedule out by November 7th, right? Like, that seems like I don't know. That seems like that's doable,
1: so I'm going to buy it. I, I I think the way this is going, uh, hearing Sam McEwen earlier in the show about how deliberate the league is being, I don't know. I mean, okay. I'm going to sell it.
4: Oh, man. I feel better about yeah. my answer now.
2: I, I'm <laughs> echoing Greg's logic here. I, I don't feel confident in this league at all. Um, I in making that decision, so... It's fair, I guess. I don't even know if it's going to happen, so I'm going to sell it.
8: All right. There you go. Man. All right, Brett, who's up next? I'll go. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) My, (laughs) My first question comes from the NFL. Buy or sell that the Patriots, New England Patriots, Tim's favorite team, win at least two of their next three games. They're at the Bills, at the Jets, and home against the Ravens. They lose two of the next no, three? no that they win they at least win. two of their next three. And give, give them to me again at the Bills, at the Jets, and at home against the Ravens. I would guess that they'll beat the Jets, and then the other t- so they just have to win one of those other two at the Bills and at home against the Ravens. I'm still I'm still gonna sell it. The the closest uh, line of the Bills and Ravens would be the Bills. They're I think they're three and a half point underdogs against them, but. I just don't think they get it done against either of those teams, so I'm selling.
1: I'm with you. Uh, I, I think they get one of those three. They look really bad Sunday. I think they're trending in the wrong direction, and I don't know that even Coach Bill can pull them out of that deal.
9: Yeah, I'm going to sell that one as well. Uh, Cam Newton did not look very good, and Jared Siddham not the, the best backup to be putting in there. Okay, give me the
8: games again. It's at the Bills, at the Jets, and home against the Ravens. No. No. <laughs> <All right. laughs> you you think I can put a buy in there for Tim, though? Like, pencil that in? Or should I I wait? think you could pencil it in, yeah. All right. <laughs> I'll put it in pencil. All
1: right. All right. I'll go next. Is that all right? Yeah, do it. All right. Buy or sell that at least four road teams win this weekend in Big Ten football mm-hmm. action. At least four road teams. And mm-hmm. I'll give you the – do you need the matchups? Yeah, yeah. Give us the matchups. All right. The matchups are – uh, Minnesota at Maryland. That's the Friday night game. Okay. Purdue at Illinois. Yeah. Michigan State at Michigan. Northwestern at Iowa. Indiana at Rutgers. Ohio State at Penn State. Yep, those are the four. I, I I counted off four as
8: you said it, so I'm buying. Yep, I counted off four as well, so I'll buy. And, and I bought too, I'm sorry. All right. We jumped the gun. Sorry, Greg. Ben, are you
2: on board with that? I, th- I think I am. I, th- I, think <laughs> I think I'm. I think I'm. I. I mean, guys, how are we gonna predict what's happening in this league
9: after what, what happened last week? I think this so, is just a matter of taking shots. It's not
2: a slam dunk. Yeah. No,
8: it's not a slam dunk at all. Like, yeah, I mean, Rutgers could win. That's. I kind of just <laughs> automatic. Why, I mean, I'm saying that seriously though. Like, they could. It could happen. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll ask the next question so here. I'm just uh, confirming, Ben, you're buying that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, I'm going to think about it. You did.
9: <laughs> I'm going to go to soccer here because everyone, yes! everyone loves that category. Buy or sell that. Arsenal defeats Manchester United in their Premier League matchup on Sunday, and there are at least two goals scored between both clubs, and I am going to buy that one. Manchester United's looked pretty terrible this year. Arsenal hasn't looked good themselves, but uh, I like the matchup for Arsenal. Okay.
8: I two goals seems like a pretty easy amount, although not after the the yeah premier. not optimistic I after mean, last week. Yeah, yeah
5: thirteen
9: man. man that was
8: Come
2: on. <laughs> I'll buy so it though. Arsenal has to win and score two goals.
8: Yeah,
9: and so no, it's no, no, no. There just has to be two goals, but score uh, between both oh. clubs. So it could be right. So yeah. it's a combo. It could be two to one
8: it's a combo question and Freedom. a combination between the teams and goals scored i have no idea about arsenal or manchester united i don't either
9: <laughs> they're they're uh, they're both not in like the middle of the table right now not having very good seasons compared to what you normally my see.
2: brother-in-law roots for arsenal so i'll i'll pick those guys oh so, so you're those guys you're so you're buying i'm buying it the gunners is that what they're called, yeah, that's their
9: mascot.
8: <laughs> Greg Biner selling. This is your chance to make up points if you sell it here. I guess sure. you're not making up, things. sure. All give right. me a sell, sure. <laughs> it's not even a buyer's. I'll list. put that, sure. I'll put that hmm. in parentheses after your answer. <laughs> sell, sure. <laughs> oh man, let's uh, let's go with Tim's question next, Brett. Why don't we do that?
2: We haven't got Ben in here. Oh, now. yeah, I'm Ben, gonna, never I'll, mind. I'll ben one. first, go Ben. All right. Buy or sell that the Big Ten West is decided by win percentage this year, not overall record.
1: Oh,
2: boy, what are you doing? It's by percentage, not record. Right. So so uneven uneven yeah, totals. Yeah, yeah. I'm buying.
8: So so you're so it just has to be between the first and second mm-hmm. place yes. team. Yes. So if this first and second place team have the exact same number of games played, then it'll be on.
9: On record.
1: I'm gonna sell it and I honestly I have no idea. Like this uh <laughs> Well, if you favor Wisconsin to win the league, they're now down a game. If you favor them or us. We're right now you know we may yeah, be off a game.
8: But another team could be off a game too. That's true. Like that but yeah, does it end up being the same amount of games it's lost? Part of between, the question. I know. Figure I figure it out.
9: At this point, anything can happen.
8: Uh, I'll buy it. I I think that just with the uncertainty, the I would be kind of surprised if the first and second place teams end up with the exact same number of games played. That seems a little iffy at this point.
1: <sighs> ben, you bought, right? He did. Brett sold. I bought. I, I'm going to buy it, too. Ten
8: sounds good now we can do tim's question. all right yeah
9: tim's question uh college football question by herself that rutgers covers the spread against indiana this weekend and noah vedrell has at least two touchdown passes the spread is uh plus
1: 12 um what's, what's the else? spread the, the spread's 12 12, 12 yeah. yeah and noah throws how many two two touchdown passes so Nilo. this is an this is an and not an or. It's an Correct. and. You got to parlay this one. And
8: that's I'm going to sell it.
2: I'm, I'm going to beat you to the punch, yep. Greg.
9: On the yeah, cell. I'm going to sell yep. that. Yep. <laughs> yep, that's a Greg sell for
2: me. Yeah, yep. me too. Ben, so he needs he need Ruggers needs to cover and two scores through the air mm-hmm, for Vedral. Yep, I'm selling. Wish I could be different, but I can't. I,
8: I could see it happening, but the 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 chances of that happening aren't
2: aren't high. Right. Enough. Well, it's fifty-fifty on the spread anyway.
8: Right. True. And then you exactly. throw in the fact that he has to has to throw two scores. Right. That's <laughs> what. I, yeah. That's why it's hard. All right. I'm, a, I'm back up here. I'll go with a college football question as well. Also from the Big Ten. Byer saw that Justin Fields completes at least. 85% of his passes against Penn State <laughs> or or accounts for four or more TDs. Any kind oh. of touchdowns, passing, rushing, receiving, returning, defensive touchdown, doesn't matter. Bye. The yard total is pretty high,
1: but the four TDs is probably okay. doable. Yeah. I, I'm going to buy it. Man, four scores. How, huh, how good is Penn, Penn State?
8: State's
2: defense? They've got kind Better. of. Mm, how many did Penix get on, him, on them?
8: I don't know. I know he got a couple that. two point conversion runs. Enough but those don't count for the question. I I haven't given my answer yet either. I'm actually gonna sell this. I think he'll really? he'll
1: take a little bit of a step back this week. Selling your own question. I don't think he gets to eighty five percent, but I think the right. four touchdowns is possible. I think it's possible. I just don't I think it's probable. I'm with you, Josh. I'm
2: selling it. Wow. All
9: right. Good. Split question. That's the kind of that's what I like to see. Fine. All right, well I'll ask my last question. Uh Buy or sell that Justin Turner and the Dodgers are fined at least one hundred thousand dollars combined due to the Justin Turner post game mm. incident from <laughs> last night. What are you doing? Thousand, buy or selling? Huh? Hundred thousand was the number I came up with. I have no idea where I got that number.
8: Buy or sell, right? I don't uh, I don't know how to answer this until I'm gonna you do. I'm gonna
9: buy it because I think it's gonna be upwards of two hundred and fifty. If wow. They, if, they, Whoa. if they go to wow. the NFL, the NFL was fining people $350,000. Here's I mean. the
8: reason I don't think that I'm going to sell this. And here's why I think is because the season's over. And so I don't think they're going to be trying to prove as much of a point as they would have yeah. maybe early in the That's season. True. But I the, the statement that they released
2: was pretty harsh. on. Yeah. And they, and they ruled on this really quickly. Like this, yeah. this was not like getting a schedule together. I mean, this was right. immediate. Yeah. I'm still selling though.
1: I'm. I'm. Uh. It's a good I'll question. I'll sell it. That's a yeah, good, question, good question, Brad. I'll sell it. I. I'll buy it. I think they may really hammer, particularly the Dodgers. Yeah. And then yeah. he'll get he'll get twenty five k or something, but they might go right at hundred on the Dodgers alone. Right. Exactly. It, it's a drop in the bucket for them though. So.
2: Right. Is it combined? combined yeah. Combined yeah. between the two of oh, them. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Too late to go back. All it's Greg's no. turn. Greg's already ben. submitted.
1: Enter the answer. Okay, uh, buy or sell that Le'Veon Bell scores Sunday against his old team, the Jets. Mm. Jets. 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 Buy it. <laughs> I'm, I'm fat I'm, I'm buying. I think. The, I think Andy will make sure he gets the ball down near the goal line.
2: Man,
4: All
1: right, uh, I'll
9: follow the Chiefs fans in and I'll buy that one. You guys are. Everybody's buying. I
8: don't know. Fade it. I'll. I'll sell. Why not? I like. I like being opposite of people. It hasn't worked out very well for me this season, but <laughs> I'll do it. All right, Ben, you're the last up. All
2: right, I was told to reword this question, so try and follow me here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, we all know Atlanta has been terrible in post game in the NFL. Yeah. At the end game, buy or sell that the Falcons win and lose a game in the final two minutes. <laughs> Of regulation or overtime for the rest of the season. So they need to win a game in the final two minutes, and they need to lose a game in the final two minutes, meaning take a lead and blow a lead in the final two minutes of a game, and I'm buying it.
9: How many games left? We're like halfway halfway through the year. year. Okay. 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 And they've already done three times this year. <laughs> I
8: don't know if they win a game in the final no. two minutes. That's I why I'm selling. not think they won one. No. They've I'm, lost, I'm they've
9: selling. Lost.
8: <laughs> yeah. I'm selling. That's why I'm selling it is because I don't know if they can. And if they do yeah. win a game, I think that they'll do it in blowout fashion.
9: So, yeah, I'll sell that is just for the – I don't think they're going to win. I think they're going to definitely find ways to lose those right. games. But. That's what
2: I'm going with. Yep. All right. There you have it. Good job, Brett. Well, well done. Is that How it? was that worded, Brett? Was that worded better? <laughs> did he did it pass? I mustard? mean,
9: it, it could have been better, but we'll, we'll we'll give you the pass. I thought it was here. pretty good.
2: There wasn't any there wasn't any confusion. No, we you got it. Okay. We figured it
9: out.
0: You did okay. Very good. Well done. His voice will sound familiar.
10: And Nipple's gone. Bye bye. Baseball.
0: His knowledge is endless.
10: He looked so fast. It was unbelievable.
0: He's our Major League Baseball insider. Just ate a brownie, so I'm ready to go. Lane Grindle.
10: Well, the
1: baseball season came to an end last night. Dodgers finally win a World Series title. I thought it was a pretty entertaining series. What was your take of it?
10: Yeah, I thought it was a great series. I, I was very entertained by it. I thought we saw uh, two different teams, but in my opinion, the two best teams in baseball this year, getting a chance to play on a big stage, and we saw some stars. I mean, the Dodgers are full of them. Mookie Betts is probably, you know, one of the two or three best players in the game, not named Mike Trout, and uh, he played like it. I thought in the series, and of course, Cody Bellinger was last year's NL MVP. Corey Seeger was the MVP of the series, and what a postseason he had. And then on the other side, Randy Arozarena was just a great story to follow and, and to hit his 10th home run of the postseason in the first inning of last night's game. It was fun to watch. And, and to see Clayton Kershaw perform on that stage and kind of shake some of the perceptions about his postseason performance, I thought was neat because this is a guy that's going to be in Cooperstown, and now that cloud won't kind of hover over him uh, it, it, when his career is all said and done.
1: What would you make of the removal of Blake Snell from that game?
10: <laughs> I – you know, I had a feeling you were going to ask me about that. Um, I, I didn't like it, and I, I think it's easy to second-guess, but really there were a lot of people that were first-guessing that. At the time, there were a lot of people going, what wait, 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 why are we doing this? What, what Why is this happening? Kevin Cash is a tremendous manager, and I think people need to understand that. This is one of the best, one of the premier managers in Major League Baseball. But sometimes I think we do get too hung up on the numbers and the analytics, and I'm not saying those aren't a great thing. They're a tremendous thing, and they've done a lot of great things for this game, and I think they've helped teams like the Rays be what they are with the payroll they have, and I think that's that shouldn't get lost on us. But at the same time, when you're in game six of the World Series, sometimes you, you need to manage it, in my opinion, differently than you manage game 124 in Boston, and I think there's a difference between those two situations. Blake Snell, the numbers tell you, uh, like most starters, but even more so this year with Blake Snell, the, Snail, the third time through the lineup, things get dicey. Things change. You know, the OPS goes up, the batting average goes up, the slugging percentage against goes up. And so he's more susceptible the third time through. And so the goal is to predict when that drop-off falls to be able to go to the bullpen and and stay one step ahead, so to speak, right? But Nick Anderson had a tough postseason. As good as he was in the regular season, this is a guy that really struggled all postseason. And Blake Snell, I think at some, I think in those moments, you've got to be able to look and go, mm, he's got different stuff tonight than he had the rest of the season. This is 2018 Blake Snell when he was a Cy Young candidate. And we're going to ride with him a little bit longer. We're going we're gonna to stretch this thing out and see if we can get three more outs out of him or two more outs in that situation out of him. To me, that's the play. Um, You can go somewhere different in the seventh inning if you want, but I give him a chance to get out of that sixth inning if I'm managing that game because it's game six of the World Series, and it's not game 124 in Boston. Bruce Bochy has three rings, Greg, and the reason he has three rings is because he could look at Madison Bumgarner and know, I I don't need a spreadsheet to tell me when he's good and when he's not. We're going to ride him. And he's, he's rolling, and we're going to let him continue to roll until the game's over. He did that to the Royals in 2014 in Game 7 when he brought him out of the bullpen. And I was in the crowd, and we kept saying, surely he's done after this inning, right? Surely they'll take him out after this inning. Guess what? Bruce Bochy didn't do it because nobody showed any signs of touching him. And I think that's how you have to manage that game if you're Kevin Cash. To me, it was a mistake. I think a lot of people agree with that mistake. It's easy to look back on it now and say it was. But I think most of us saw that coming before it even happened.
1: Baseball still trying, or managers in baseball, I guess, are still trying to find that balance between sabermetrics metrics and the eye test, right? I mean, I think that's what you're always fighting. I know what the numbers say, but I, I'm going to trust my eyes in this case. I don't know that baseball's found it yet. Everybody's still trying to toe the line, I guess, between those two things.
10: Well, and I don't know that it's going to find it. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about the game is that we're all going to have a way we prefer it or how we would do it. And um, it's going to be unique. It's going to be different. And and we're not always going to agree on that. And there's going to be times where what Kevin Cash did is going to pay off and he'll look like a genius. Um, There's going to be times where it doesn't pay off and and, and what happens, happens. But there's also been times where guys have left starting pitchers in too long in games and it's come back to burn them. I mean, it's a, this is a different situation, but I think in 2015 with the Mets and them letting Matt Harvey go back out for the ninth inning when he was rolling against the Royals and the Royals score two runs in game five, they force extra innings. They went up, end up winning the world series, a little different situation, but kind of similar in that I think, you know, it's, it's, those are tough situations. I just think in, in game six, With 75 pitches, the way Snell was pitching in the middle of the inning, even with a guy on first, I think you give him a chance to get himself out of that inning before you go to the bullpen. Um, That's just me. Um, I think a lot of people probably agreed with me. It's easy to agree with me right now because of what happened. But I think that that's also part of the beauty of this game is that analytics have come into this game and some people don't like that. Some people love it. Uh, It's to each their own, in my opinion. I like a combination of both. I have been fascinated, to tell you the truth, Greg, doing what I do on a daily basis, to watch how the front office and the field staff are interconnected and the way they they work with each other from a communication standpoint and how they shift and how they use certain pitchers in certain matchups because of what the data tells them. Uh, Analytics have made managers better on the whole, but there's still these moments where it just really gets magnified And we highlight it and we go, ooh, uh, you know, maybe analytics had too much influence there. And that's going to continue to be the case at times. But on the whole, it has made these guys better because they have more information with which to make these decisions by. It's kind of like the shift. The shift works nine times out of ten, but we remember the one time out of ten when it doesn't.
1: Right. Well, the Dodgers have been good for quite a while. They were really due to win one of these, and 1988 is a long time since they last won a World Series. They're certainly a worthy champion, and I, I don't know that anybody would even question that through the short sixty-game season in the playoffs, they were they were the best
10: team, right? Yeah, I think I think so. I, I think that we kind of forgot that this was a sixty-game season when the Rays and Dodgers ended up in the World Series because. These two teams, we expected to be in the in the hunt for the postseason at the beginning of the year. Most people would have picked the Dodgers to win this thing, uh, if not the Dodgers, then maybe the Yankees, before the season began, and and here we are. Uh, so I don't think that, you know, people were talking about asterisks and things like that back in June when this season was getting put together. I don't think that's going to exist. I think the, the struggles that these teams went through to get to where they were and all the Distractions they had to deal with, and all the solitary confinement they dealt with in their own hotel rooms. This is a great accomplishment by the Dodgers, and they're a tremendous team with stars up and down that lineup. They're going to be a real troublesome group for a long time in the National League because they got Mookie locked up for 11 more years. Seeger isn't going anywhere. Uh, Bellinger isn't going anywhere. Will Smith's only going to get better. Gavin Lux is coming, he's going to be a great second baseman for him. They're going to be a problem for the National League for a long time moving forward, and, and and they are a worthy champion, and I think anybody that tries to take anything away from them uh, is, is it just didn't pay close enough attention to this season and how hard it was for these teams and for what the Dodgers did. This is the best team in baseball.
1: All right, the postseason's over, so now kind of the market opens up again for Major League Baseball. What are some things fans ought to be looking for in the coming weeks? Obviously, the White Sox seem to fill a managerial yep. job. Well, well, Give me a couple things that, that we ought to keep an eye on in the next two, three weeks.
10: Well, they can start signing. Free agents can start signing with new teams starting on Sunday. So this, I mean, this is going to move fast. Uh, a bunch of players became free agents today. And, of course, that qualifying offer, I think because of some of the financial concerns in the sport, just like every other professional sport right now, you're not going to see a lot of those qualifying offers get picked up. So you're going to have maybe a little bit larger free agent pool than normal. I'm going to be curious to see what guys in the 2022, 21, 22 free agent class get moved um, this offseason. There's a ton of shortstops that are going to be free agents after this next year. You're talking about Trevor Story. You're talking about Corey Seager. You're talking about Frankie Lindori. You keep going down that list. I think Javi Baez is in there as well. Do any of those guys get moved preemptively this year to save a little bit of salary? Because those guys are arbitration eligible. They're going to command big numbers. And um, some of these teams say, hey, we can move a guy. We're probably not going to compete this year anyway. And we can get some prospects in return. I-, I would guess one of those guys, maybe not the guys I just mentioned, although Trevor Story is one I could see happening, was somebody could get moved out of that group. So I think that's going to be interesting to watch as well. I think the tender/non-tender deadline is going to be more interesting than normal because I think you're going to see more decisions made on guys that are making three or four million than you normally do because financial constraints are going to factor into this off. I don't think there's any doubt about that. All right,
1: great stuff as always. We know your off-season started a few weeks ago, but enjoy the rest of the off-season. We'll leave you alone for a while and and have some uh, good family time.
10: I will plan on doing it, Greg. We appreciate it, and uh, go Big Red.